the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today it's a provocative title for a message, but it's exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Pastor Sean is doing a series on the book of 1 Corinthians, and today we're in chapter 6. The question for you is not just what does Paul say, but what does God say about sex as it relates to marriage and outside of marriage? And then Pastor Sean will also share some good practical wisdom and hope for you. Reachingforreallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do today. It's a place to give at reachingforreallife.org. Today it's part two of the message called Let's Talk About Sex. Pastor Sean is still in 1 Corinthians, but starts off today in Romans. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. In Romans chapter 1, Paul is writing, and he talks about how people rejected God. How they rejected him and his leadership, and some of the consequences of that. And in verse 24 of Romans 1, here's what he says. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. It's not just sexual. He's saying all these things, you reject God, you rebel against God, this is what happens. Deceit, maliciousness. Or excuse me, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And then the rest of the book of Romans, he goes on and gives God's plan of redemption through Jesus Christ. He describes the salvation that God has in the midst of this rebellion. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, because here's the main point of the whole thing I think Paul is wanting to say, and I want us to kind of center on. God wants to redeem and bless every area of life including your sex life. God wants to redeem and bless every area of your life, including your sex life. And I just want you to know, folks, we got to talk about this. We have to talk about this. It is everywhere. It is as though in our culture there is the, there is the sacrament of sexuality. And everything centers around it. We can't ignore this. Now, I want to give you this morning four principles of sexual purity, if I can. Four principles of sexual purity that 
Paul brings from this passage of Scripture and that I think we can draw. First, this is so important, so basic, but you've got to grab it. First, you have a creator and we're created with a design. Let me say that again. You have a creator and we're created with a design. This is a core idea. This is discipleship one-on-one. You were created and you were bought with a price. That's what verses 19 and 20 said. It says you're bought with a price. You're not your own. We have a creator, and we were created with a design. And this is a core idea. We are not our own. We're followers of Jesus. This is just basic Christianity. He created us, and then when we sold ourselves into the slavery of sin, he bought us back. And that's an understanding. So what that means is sex is something you do, not something you are. So you need to write that one down. Sex is something you do, not something you are, because we've, been, we've t- turned sex into something that we are. See, sex is not your identity. Your sexual attractions do not get to determine your identity. Your identity is who God created you to be and who you are in Christ. That's for every one of us. The designer, the creator, gets to tell what our identity is. And this idea that our attractions get to co- create our identity is an absolute broken and bankrupt idea that we need to stop and look at it critically critically and go, wait a minute, why do we believe that? The attraction is different than identity. We all have unhealthy attractions. The scripture says all have sinned. You understand that, right? We all have unhealthy attractions. We talk about the person with same-sex attractions and we get all worked up about that. And that is, according to Scripture, an unhealthy, unbiblical attraction. But it's not different than the married man who's made a vow to his wife, and he has an attraction to a woman who's not his wife. And he's going, I'd like to be with her. Do you understand that that doesn't make him an adulterer? The attraction does not make him an adulterer. What makes him an, an adulterer is following that attraction and acting on it. Then he becomes an adulterer. If a person has same-sex attraction, that doesn't make them homosexual. Homosexuality is an act. In the same way that a person, a a man who sees a woman he's not married to, hey, I'm attracted to her, he's not an adulterer yet. Temptation is not a sin. Temptation is something that we have to overcome. Temptation is something we all face, we all walk through. But it's not my identity. And we really got to grab onto this. That is not our identity. We are all in the process of becoming more like Jesus. And this is so important. And we've talked about different kind of attractions. Not even forget sexual. I told you before, there are some people who might just be more volatile. Okay? Blame it on your nationality. I am Irish, so I have a temper. All right? Say whatever you want. And, and you know, I'm not, I don't know, maybe there is some genetic predisposition for some people to be more volatile. Maybe on, one, on the plus side, it's more passionate and more decisive. Maybe on the negative side, it's a little more volatile. You might say, gee, I'm sorry, I got a gene. I can't help it. I get mad. And so, therefore, I can't help myself. You can't get mad at me when I punch people in the face. I just have this desire and I punch people in the face. No, we would never, we would go, no, 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 no. You may have this volatility, but you can choose not to punch people in the face. And we encourage you to stop punching people in the face because they're going to punch back. And, and I'm just saying, it's, a, it's an attraction. It's a, it's a tendency. It's a thing. 
And see, one of the things that we understand here, and this is what's interesting, and, and to those who, who have struggled with or do struggle with same-sex attraction, I just want to say to you, one of the great tragedies and harm that culture, the church has played a part in this too, the culture's played a part in this, we've all played a part in this, you have been made to feel like you're different. Like you're, you're different. You have this, this, nobody else understands this, you're different. You're not different. We all have that. It might not be same-sex attraction, but it might be attraction to lots of people of the opposite sex that, that, that we could say, well, I have an attraction, and so I can go and I can just have sex with whomever I want. And we say, no, 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 you can't. The Bible teaches us that we can say no to harmful attractions. It might be anger. It might be, I'm a klepto. I can't help it. I've stolen three things this morning while you weren't looking. I'm sorry. I hate to tell you that. No, I'm kidding. But the point is, you know what I'm saying? It's like we all have it. So if you're here with same-sex attraction and, and you kind of wrestle with that, hid that, or, or maybe tried to identify yourself with it, I just want to say, we're not different. We're the same. And while I maybe can't understand your particular unhealthy attraction or unbiblical attraction, I got a whole bunch of my own I'm wrestling with. And how we deal with this. Now, see, this is where it matters. Because we're all called to be here. We're all called to follow Jesus. And that's what we do. We're called to help each other follow Jesus. See, our goal is to conform our lives to his word and his design, not try to get him to conform to ours. You know, if someone comes to be a part of the fellowship, it's like, don't change me. Don't, change, don't try to change me. It misses the whole point. We are all growing and changing to become more like Jesus, every one of us, starting with the guy behind the lectern on the platform. We are becoming more like Christ. That's called Christian maturity. We are overcoming the things because we have the power of his spirit. We've been forgiven by the cross. We, we, are, we, are, we are being filled with his spirit, empowered to change. You see, come into the church and say, yeah, I want to be part of the church. You know, I want to check the church box, and I, I want to, you know, say I go to church and stuff, but don't try to change me. That's like going to the gym. Don't try to get me in shape. And don't make me feel bad about my slab. And the trainer's looking at me like, there's definitely things around here that are going to make you feel bad about your slab. But we can help with that. No, 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 no. I didn't come here to get in shape or whatever you call it. I just want to have a gym membership. All my friends have gym memberships. And I just want to be one of the guys. And they're like, that's ridiculous. Is, what we do is like going to the doctor. Whoa, doctor, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't be, don't be dealing with this sickness of mine. Doctor's like, there's some things I'm going to do that might make you feel a little bad about some of that. But good news is I'm helping you get over it. I'm helping you grow. I'm helping you get past that, you know. That, those blood tests where we're going to deal with the cholesterol, we're going to deal with the, the high blood pressure, we're going to deal with all those things. But good news, I can help you. Some diet, some exercise, maybe some medication, I can help you not have to live that way. Good news. Whoa, doc, I didn't want to change. I just wanted my yearly physical. Don't, don't, don't be talking to me about my health. That's what happens when people come into the church and go, well, yeah, I want to be part of the church, but don't try to have, don't say I need to change. It doesn't work that way because we're all conforming to the image of Jesus. We are all growing to become more like Christ. That's what discipleship is. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I'm not leading Jesus, and he's following me around. It is funny to think of it. That was a great giggle, by the way. That was a classic, wonderful. And that's the problem. we, we, 
all are here to grow, to become more of who Jesus created us to be. That's our assignment. And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called Let's Talk About Sex, in the series on unity called One, which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. In fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azaro. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast Podcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message, let's talk about sex. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. God wants to redeem and bless every area of your life, including your sex life. That's what Paul, I think, is telling us. Second principle. God's design for sex is that it be enjoyed only between a man and wife in a committed marriage relationship. And the Bible does not stutter on that. God's design for sex is that it be enjoyed only between a man and wife in a committed marriage relationship. Stop and think of how much, brain, uh, how much uh, pain and brokenness sexual sin has brought into our lives and lives of family and friends and people we know and into our culture. Think of all the children from broken homes that, bottom line, it was sexual sin that led to the brokenness in that home. See, that's not a game. That's not, oh, that's just sex. No, no, when I, when I see kids who just lost their family, their whole world jerked out from under them. And now they're doing the back and forth, the two different families and the maybe three and all the stuff that that drags those kids from. And it's related to a sexual sin. It's like, it's not just sex. Broken homes, families torn apart. The millions of children who've been lost to abortion. And the millions of moms who have had to go through this painful experience heartache, betrayal, venereal disease, including 33 million deaths due to AIDS, HIV, according to the World Health Organization, the vast majority which are sexually transmitted. See, that is not God's design. That is not what God has for us. God's design is that we wait for marriage to have sex and that it it be an expression between a husband and a wife. Remember, Chapter 7, 1 Corinthians 7, 1 and 2, we read it. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Genesis 2, 24 and 25. And understand, the verse we're about to look at, it's foundational. You need to know this. We, every, every single wedding I do, 
I quote this verse. When Jesus talked about sexuality and divorce, and he quoted this verse. When the Apostle Paul, multiple times, he talked about it here in 1 Corinthians 6, he quoted that verse, a phrase from that verse. But in Ephesians chapter 5, when he talks significantly, he talks about this verse. He quotes this. Every time you hear marriage talked about, this verse is quoted. Genesis 2, 24 and 25. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And that's the key idea. Something about sexual relationship makes one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. That's in the Genesis reference. Hebrews 13, 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. That's sexually immoral. That's that word, porneo, or pornos. See, God's design is that we wait for marriage to have sex, that sex be that expression, that, that beautiful intimacy between a husband and a wife. Do you know what's interesting? It was never part of the design that we would bring comparisons into the bedroom of our marriage. This act was designed to only be between a man and a wife and as a unique expression that only they would share. There's never supposed to be comparisons. Never supposed to be this idea, wow, I wish you were more like this one, or, oh, this, there's this idea of dissatisfaction. It's just, it would be the only, the design is that this was designed to be between a man and a wife and this expression with one another. And that there's not supposed to be these comparisons and these things. And there's some people out there who literally will say, I mean, there's literally this idea, well, you can't marry someone if you haven't slept together because, you know, what if they're no good? Yeah, you laugh, act, act offended. You've all heard someone say that kind of stuff. You want to hit him in the head. Because it's like, what, is this a, a sport? You're going to pull out a scorecard? You know? I mean, really, we act like it's a, some sort of performance. And this, this, idea, this, this, this idea of all focus on me and how good are you at pleasing me. Instead of this idea of, we're going to share something uniquely with each other that we're not sharing with anybody. We never have shared with anybody else. We're never going to share with anybody else. I mean, I understand things happen and things change, but th- this is the design. We're not supposed to bring comparisons and all these different, all this baggage into our marriage. God's design is that in the context of the children born as a result of sexual involvement or procreation that they have both parents with them to love and to raise them that's what his design is for that's where it's supposed to happen and some of you right now are going john dude you are being so hard because there are so many people who've experienced brokenness and pain and so many people who've experienced less than the idea how this is almost cruel you're being so hard stop it okay Seriously, it is not being cruel. Because to, uh, let me tell you what, I'm from a broken family that experienced brokenness. My dad had affairs on my mom. My family was broken. And so I'm not sitting here going, you know, oh, but it hurts to talk about the ideal. No, let me tell you something. That pain, that hurt from that, you know what that made me do? I want the ideal. I saw the other side firsthand. I didn't need to read a book. I walked through that pain. And it made me say, okay, you know what? Not in my house. Not for my kids. I don't want them ever to have to experience that. 
See, just because most of us in some capacity, whether it's us or someone we love or care about, have experienced or been a party to or had to grieve with someone who's had less than the ideal, that should not lower our commitment to God's ideal. That pain should actually cause us to go, yep, we should be the biggest cheerleaders. Those of us who've been hurt by the pain of brokenness of sexual sin and the the devastation that comes from it, we should be the biggest advocates and cheerleaders. Because I don't want that. I don't want that for my kids. I don't want that for anybody. God wants to redeem and bless every area of your life, including your sex life. And his design for sex that be enjoyed, it be enjoyed only between a man and wife in a committed marriage relationship. Number three, and this is really interesting. I want you to hear this. All sin has the same penalty, but not the same consequence. Isn't that interesting? Did you catch that one part? There's that part of, of 1 Corinthians 6 that we read that's kind of unusual. Talking about all other sins a person commits are outside the body. That's verse 18. Let me actually read it for you. Verse 18 said, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. What does he mean by that? I don't think he's saying that the penalty is different. Because all sin has the same penalty, just not the same consequences. Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin is death, right? But he's talking about this idea that there's something that happens. Sexual sin is a sin against your body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we carry that, the consequences, in our body. And it's because of this, this ancient concept from Genesis 2, of one flesh. There is a bonding and a connection that happens when we... Remember he talked about if a man joins himself to a prostitute? It's like because you're becoming one flesh, yet your spirit, you're one spirit with God. It says something's wrong. And this one flesh idea, this isn't just creative poetic language. There is something that happens. God gave in sexuality and for a husband and wife, there is something of a bonding that happens. In that, in that act that's very powerful and significant. Let me tell you something. I was a youth pastor. My first ministry was a youth pastor in Southern California. And I learned real quickly. I could spot the difference in these high school couples, high school, early college couples who had been sexually active and sleeping together versus those who had. And, and the primary way I could tell is when they broke up. When they broke up, a high school couple breaking up because... Most, if they weren't, if they had not been sexually active, they had not become one flesh, they have the breakup, there might be tears, there might be other things, but it wasn't as violent. I watched teens break up, and it was like this horrible divorce, this tearing, this ripping apart. And I knew, and I would, I would meet with them, and I would talk with them, and I would dial down, and every single time, have you been sexually active? Yes, yes we have. And it's because they were one flesh. See, that principle, God placed it in us. And this now, when they broke up, it wasn't just two kids deciding not to continue dating. It was the tearing of one flesh. And it was hurtful. It was painful. God designed us not to experience that. 
See, all sin has the same penalty, but not the same consequence, because this is a sin against your own flesh, and there are physical consequences. We talk about pregnancy. We talk about children. It's a physical consequence. Disease, sexual addiction, stuff that you carry with you, stuff that you carry into a marriage one day. That's what Paul's trying to let us know. This is serious. Take it serious. God wants to redeem and bless every area of your life, including your sex life. And last thing, and this is some of you right now, maybe you're feeling a little beat up. Some of you are feeling maybe a little hopeless. And here's the good news. Number four, God has empowered you to live in sexual purity. He is not asking you to do this on your own. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. Let's read it again. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Look at verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. See the important statement there? You have the Holy Spirit in you as a follower of Jesus. He didn't just say, hey, guys, um, I'm going to put this thing in you. I'm going to put this temptation in you. You better not use it or I'm going to thump you. No. He said, I got, I got a gift and a promise waiting here and I want you to have it. And I'm going to fill you with my spirit and empower you to walk in sexual purity. I'm going to give you the gift of my spirit. So sometimes, and, and you're like, but how do I do that? Literally, you're tempted, you're in that moment of temptation, and you stop and say, oh God, give me your strength. Help me to say no. Help me to walk away. Help me not to fall into sin. Whatever that sin may look like. And His Spirit is in you. And I promise you, that you, you take that moment and ask for His strength. You take that step, just one small step of obedience, and He will empower you to go the rest of the way. He's not just telling you, hey, figure it out. He says, I'm with you. And I want to empower you to live a different kind of life. If you're here and maybe you're like, well, I wish I would have heard this 10 years ago, 20 years ago, a little late right now. Let me just say to you, you, you can't undo the past. right? You can't go back and, and do it differently. But let me tell you this truth. I want you to hear this. But God can forgive the past. And listen, not just forgive it, He can redeem the past. He can take that past and make it something redemptive to where all of a sudden you become a person who is able to teach and advocate and able to to cheerlead for sexual purity in a way that maybe is different. If you have failed or fallen when it comes to this issue, I just want to say, this is not an unforgivable sin. There is forgiveness in the cross of Jesus Christ. You, as a follower of Jesus, when you are forgiven of your sins and you accept Him as Lord and Savior, you are filled with His Spirit and you are empowered to live the life that He's called you to. Your family, your job, in every area, including this one. The question is, will you let Him do it? That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you'd like to hear this full message in the series called One, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. 
you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.